Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Hello there, City Church family. I'm not here at City this morning for worship, but our church family is going to be blessed by a very, very dear friend of mine that I met in 1987. This morning's message is going to be preached to us by Dr. Joe Castleberry. Joe was the, my predecessor as a university chaplain. He handed me the baton, and we have been fast friends ever since. Joe and I literally as far as ministry, calling, and life, have done life together for all of these years. And I'm so grateful that he'll be the one preaching on the spiritual discipline of celebration this morning. So if you would, please give a warm City Church welcome to Joe Castleberry. Thank you. Thank you. Celebrate good times. Come on. <laughs> There's a party going on around here, a celebration to last throughout the year. So bring your good times and your laughter too. We're going to celebrate your party with you. Come on now. Celebration. Come on, celebrate and have a good time. Well, that's good enough. <laughs> Some of you did. <laughs> Everybody loves to celebrate. I remember when that song came out in 1980. I remember the first time I heard it, I said, that's going to be a classic that will last forever. And it has. 44 years now. And, you know, uh, people sing that song all the time. And it's, it's a great song. It's clean. You know, there's no vulgarity in it. There's no hidden meanings or anything. It's just about celebrating and having a good time with your friends. And everybody loves to celebrate. But not everybody recognizes celebration as a spiritual gift. As a matter of fact, they would never even think about spirituality in the context of celebration. But for us as Christians, celebration like prayer and fasting and meditation and other things is a spiritual discipline. And today we're going to explore that a little bit. Man, there's so much to say about it and so little time to do it. But let's dive right in. So, if celebration is a spiritual discipline, what does the Bible have to say about celebration? In fact, the Bible does command us to celebrate. It's a biblical command. But what does it mean? Well, celebration, there has two words in the New Testament that sort of uh, are related to it. And the first one is the word Cairo. Cairo means to, uh, to be joyful, to experience joy. And celebration is all about joy, but it's more than that. And another word in the New Testament that means I celebrate is the word elfrino. Elfrino means I feel good. But it, you can't really elfrino by yourself. You have to have some other people around you in order to really celebrate. Uh, celebrating alone is, is just no good. As a matter of fact, you know... I, I, can, I can celebrate alone, but it's not as joyful as doing it with other people. And if you think about it, I like jokes. And sometimes I'll sit around and I'll remember a joke. 
and I think through the joke, and, and, and the punchline causes me some amusement. Maybe I'll snicker at it or something. But that's not anywhere near as much fun as telling the joke and have someone else laugh with you. And uh, so celebrations that way. It, you, you can do it alone, but it isn't really complete unless you do it with other people. But celebration at its heart is about feeling joy. And the problem with feeling joy is you can't always predict it. And you can't just necessarily feel joy on cue. And sometimes you celebrate when you're not feeling joy, and that, that's not as good. <laughs> but joy is an, a strange commodity. It kind of surprises you. It kind of sneaks up on you. I remember when I was raising my, my daughters. I have three daughters. They're all grown uh, women now, and they're mothers, and they have beautiful, seven beautiful grandchildren that uh, are reliving a lot of what I lived in raising them. But um, there were just moments when tears would come to my eyes. Uh, they were just so beautiful. My three little girls, all blue-eyed and blonde and beautiful and sweet and funny and you know, they were just amazing. Sometimes you'd just be with them, and boy, joy would just surprise you. And it's an amazing thing, those moments of joy. You know, and maybe sometimes your whole body tingles when you feel it, and uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, but it doesn't always show up on cue. Uh, and getting ready for the sermon, I watched a few videos of marriage proposals that didn't work out too well. <laughs> like, there was supposed to be a celebration, and it didn't happen. Like, like in some of these videos, the guy, he's, he's set up this public area where he's going to propose the girl. And right there, just like it was a flash mob or something, he falls down on his knee. He throw, pops up the ring and he says, will you marry me? And it doesn't turn out like he had hoped. It didn't create any joy. As a matter of fact, in several of those videos, the woman just hauls off and slaps him and runs away. And in some of them, she says, no, <laughs> no, I won't marry you. And, and again, gets up and leaves and leaves him there in public on his knee, humiliated. What well, didn't really work out like he wanted it to. Sometimes we are planning a big celebration, yet something tragic happens and the celebration just doesn't come off the way we had hoped. So joy isn't always predictable in its purest form. But that doesn't mean that we can't celebrate whether we're feeling that special kind of joy or not. As a matter of fact, in a spiritual way, we can feel joy on cue at celebration time. And I'm going to walk into that with you. In any case, it's important for us to celebrate whether it's spontaneously or whether it's in a special planned moment. You know, one of the great celebrations in our life, I didn't tell this in the first service when my daughter Sophie was in the service. For some reason, I, I forgot it. But um, when we, it was 1980, um, 1988, and I was a missionary itinerating uh, to go back to Ecuador, and I was in my doctoral program, so I was, I was, out, I was away from home four days a week. Uh, and my family lived in South Jersey, and I would go to New York every Monday and spend and come home either late Wednesday night or Thursday and I was home for the weekend and we were celebrating dinner together and my wife at, 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 at towards the end of the dinner she says girls are, how how are things going and they said good good 
are you having a good time? Are you happy with your life? Yeah, we're happy. And they were the happiest girls. And she said, well, is there anything missing from your life? And um, is there anything you want that you don't have? And, and in unison, they both said, a sister. And Kathleen said, well, you're going to have one. <laughs> and that's how she, she broke the news to us that Sophie was going to be born. And uh, I'll tell you, a celebration broke out that was just, I can't tell you the joy of those little girls who were going to have a sister. They were uh, six and eight years old, and they were, this, having a baby sister was just the greatest thing. And that, that girl had three mamas, I'll tell you, and still does. But um, what a moment of joy that was. Uh, but that was a spontaneous celebration, and sometimes you have planned ones. But whether it's planned or whether it's uh, spontaneous, the Bible commands us to celebrate, and it is a spiritual discipline. Where does the Bible command us to celebrate? Well, it doesn't do it in exactly those words. But in Genesis 1, or Genesis 2, verse 3, it says this, Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all of the work of creating that he had done. And when the Ten Commandments come along in the next book, in Exodus chapter 20, God tells us to remember the Sabbath. Remember God's Sabbath and have our own. It says this, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. And so the Lord commanded us to keep the Sabbath day. And uh, it's one of the things that Christians are perhaps the most delinquent at. Uh, Christians celebrate Sunday as their Sabbath day now. Uh, Jews celebrate Saturday mostly as Sabbath day. And Muslims celebrate Friday as their Sabbath day. All comes from the same commandment in the Ten Commandments that we should keep the Sabbath day. But sometimes Christians aren't as rigorous about it as Jews are. And I'll tell you, <laughs> I, I, uh, a few years ago, I started going to Sabbath dinner at, at Michael Medved's house. You may have heard Michael on the radio. He a, has a large network of radio uh, stations across the United States. Uh, uh, used to do movie reviews. If, if you're as old as me, you'll remember that. But Michael became a friend. He started inviting me to his house on, uh, on Saturdays uh, for, for Sabbath. We don't go every week or even every year, but from time to time, we go to Michael's house. We're going next month. And um, when I went to his house and celebrated a Sabbath day with a Jewish family for the first time and the friends that they had joined them, and they do that every week, I thought, oh, my goodness, I have been really missing something important and special that I could have been experiencing all these years because I hadn't been rigorously celebrating the Sabbath. I would go to church every Sunday, and that's certainly part of what you need to do on a Sabbath day, uh, take time to worship with other people, celebrate the Lord with other people. But... Uh, the Sabbath is more than that. It's about rest and family and meditation and prayer and, uh, and celebrating God every week. And so Sabbath, Sabbath is a really important thing. If you don't do it, you should really be thinking about the Sabbath. But in addition to the Sabbath day, the Israelites were commanded to observe seven different feasts throughout the year and different holy days in which God expected them to celebrate, to come together and celebrate. So celebration is a biblical command, and it makes up an important element of our spiritual life and of our spiritual disciplines. It's interesting. In the New Testament, 
um, as well as in Judaism, the Sabbath is understood to be a prefiguring of heaven where we will live in God's presence and celebrate the end of all our striving. Listen to this verse from Hebrews chapter 4. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. Celebrating the Sabbath on a regular weekly basis is an opportunity to reflect on what heaven is going to be like. Sabbath should be a little bit of heaven on earth. And if you're not getting that out of the way you celebrate Sabbath, you should start thinking about it more. Spending the day of Sunday dedicated to God and to your family and to the life to come, to think about it and to imagine heaven here and now. That's a great, what a great weekly discipline to do. And so Sabbath is an important spiritual discipline, and celebrating it on a weekly basis is an important reminder of the world to come. Now, it isn't just Sabbath, and it isn't just the festivals, and we, uh, we Christians didn't inherit the Jewish festivals. Since the early church, uh, Gentile Christians didn't celebrate the, German, the Jewish uh, um, feast days and so forth. But the church, the early church did set up a church calendar of feast and fast and vigils and other things. And Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church still celebrate those, um, those different feast days and fast days and everything. And many Protestant ch- churches do as well. But most evangelical Christians have kind of dumped the biblical feast and have dumped the church calendar in favor of adopting the national holiday calendar. We've turned holy days into holidays. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with holidays, and there are 11 federal holidays, and I like to celebrate every one of them. But we can turn those federal holidays into holy days if we observe spiritual discipline. But 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 goes beyond these formal occasions to give us the basic elements of what the spiritual discipline of celebration is about. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Well, it says rejoice always, and I just told you that joy doesn't always come on cue, right? How do you do this? Well, the second part really helps. Pray without ceasing. (laughs) When you develop a lifestyle of training your thoughts on God, it greatly increases your joy. Now, there are times when you're concentrating on the work you're doing and you can't be praying in in a literal sense. I mean, it's you know, people talk about multitasking. It's a lie. Nobody can multitask. You're doing one task at a time always. The brain can't focus on two things at the same time. You're either doing one thing or something else. Uh, You can be switching constantly between one thing and the other, and that's what people are doing when they're multitasking. But the brain really can only do one thing. But you can train yourself so that when you're not concentrating on something you've got to do, your mind turns to the things of God, and you, you go back to prayer. And that's kind of what prayer without ceasing really is, is that habit of always going back in your heart to thinking about God and the things of God and the will of God and praying for the people you love. And, and uh, it's a beautiful habit to develop. If you develop it, it greatly increases your joy. Then the third thing is crucial. 
in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And it's really important that we develop a habit of thanksgiving. Uh, every morning, first, I've, I've trained myself many, many years ago. The first thing that happens when my alarm goes off is it triggers me to pray. And so the alarm goes off. I'm like, it's like Pavlov's dog, right? As <laughs> soon as the bell rings, I'm, I, I think it's time to pray. And I pray five prayers every morning. The first one is the Gloria. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end, amen. So I glorify God. And then I pray the Lord's Prayer, which you all know. And then the third prayer that I pray every morning is the prayer of confession of sin. It goes all the way back to the 6th century A.D., uh, Lord, I confess that I've sinned gravely in thought, word, deed, and omission. I've not loved the Lord with my whole heart. I've not loved my neighbor as myself. I'm truly sorry and humbly repent. And then I think about, uh, have mercy on me and forgive me for the sake of thy son, Jesus. Anyway, but I uh, think about how have I failed the Lord and how am I going to do better today? <laughs> and then the next prayer I pray is the prayer of thanksgiving. Uh, it's truly, it is, a, it is a right and just um, our duty and a very good thing to give thanks to you, O Lord, in all, every, everywhere, always and everywhere, for you have given us your son, Jesus Christ, to be our Lord and Redeemer. And you know, the truth is, no matter what is going on in your life, you've got something to be thankful for. Richard Foster, in Celebration of Discipline, mentions that he doesn't agree with this theology of giving thanks for bad things that happen, that you can't do that with any sincerity or integrity. But when bad things are going on, you can give thanks, thanks for the good things in your life. And doing so increases your joy, even in the midst of tragedy and trouble. And so it's important for us to take time to give thanks to God for the good things that are going on in our life. And this should be a daily discipline of giving thanks. Uh, always and everywhere, the prayer says. And... Um, so in the morning when I pray that prayer, I usually, I usually say something like this. I'll say, God, thank you for my life and for my salvation. Thank you for the knowledge of God. Thank you for my wife and for my family. God, thank you for my calling and for my job. Thank you for my education and for the ways I get to use it to bless other people. And if there's other things I'm thankful for, I'll say, I'll mention those. And then finally, I do, I do a thing called the, it's called the collect for purity. You're supposed to pray it with other people, but it says, uh, it says, um, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, inspi uh, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of thy Holy Ghost, that we may perfectly love thee and worthily magnify thy holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And that's the end of the first set of my prayers in the morning, but I pray those five prayers every morning, but in those embedded is the prayer of thanksgiving. I want to start every day giving thanks to God for the good things that are going on in my life, and goodness, you could do that all day, actually, because God has given us so much to be thankful for. In that verse, rejoicing evermore, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks in all circumstances, we find the elements that make celebration a spiritual discipline. So what is it that is guaranteed to bring joy to our life? You can rejoice always if you'll do this thing. John chapter 15 verse 9 says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy might be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. If you want to be joyful, if you want to have a life filled with joy, learn to love other people. (laughs) If you love the Lord your God with all your heart and you love your neighbors yourself, you're going to be full of joy. It's just going to happen. That is God's command to us. When we keep God's command, it makes our joy full. Now, it may not be as easy for everybody as it is for some. There are people people, and there are people who are not people people. (laughs) I was born a people person. I am an extrovert. I've taken the test. I score on the far edge of extroversion. I love people. I can't, I just love to meet somebody brand new. I'm so glad to look out and see your faces and, and hope, to, hope to shake your hand after church and just maybe hear your voice. I like people. I mean, I have to learn not to like people. People have to teach me not to like them, and it is possible to do so. But my basic instinct is to like people. And uh, it comes easy to me to like people, to love people, but Maybe it doesn't come as easy for everybody else, but we can train ourselves to love people. And when we do train ourselves to love people, we can do it in our own way. Maybe not everybody's as exuberant as somebody else is about it, but we can learn to love people and and do right by them and treat them well and show them the love of God. And when we do that, it will fill our lives with joy and we will always be able to celebrate. Second, What turns joy into celebration? Well, I already said it earlier. Community. What turns personal joy into celebration is when we invite other people to feel joyful with us. When we share our joy with other people and invite them to celebrate that joy. And we can do that on a schedule. We can do it spontaneously. But it really requires other people to make it happen. And then... Another question is, what makes joy, what makes celebration spiritual? What makes celebration spiritual is when we celebrate as an act of thanksgiving to God. Any celebration that doesn't include thanksgiving to God is ultimately an empty celebration. It's missing the point. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, the Bible says. God is the source of all joy. He's the source of every blessing. There may be some good thing in your life that you've twisted in some way. But even that, the good part of it, comes from God. And so we ought to always, whatever we're celebrating, we ought to be giving thanks to God. If you're celebrating 4th of July, don't idolize your country. Don't make the country your God. But give thanks to God for your country that you get to live here with all of the problems that our country has, yet we still live in the greatest prosperity and the greatest uh, uh, civil liberty we've ever, that any human beings have ever lived in. I'm not saying we have it better than every other country in the world, but the truth is we together have it better than anybody's ever had it even with all the problems that we have. I'm not saying we should deny the problems. I'm not saying we shouldn't focus on fixing those problems. But on 4th of July, if you can't come together with other people and say, 
thank God for our country, something's wrong in your heart. Because how are you going to make it better if you don't love it? How are you going to make it better if you're not thankful for it? Of course there are things to fix. Of course there always will be. Of course there's great dignity in striving to make it better. But it's good to celebrate it and give thanks to God for it. Whether it's the birthday of a child and you think about all the different celebrations 11 federal holidays, and my family has 15 people in it now with the grandchildren and sons-in-law and all that. We've got a birthday every month of the year, and between the federal holidays and our family holidays, we're celebrating about every two weeks together. (laughs) It's about every two weeks, and sometimes it's more than that. And uh, it's wonderful to celebrate together, but what makes all that celebration spiritual is giving thanks to God. Dietitians talk about empty calories. You ever heard of those? You ever consumed any empty calories? I try not to, but, you know, it's a... Because the thing is, a skinny guy like me, if I don't keep my weight under control, you know I'm on the level because the bubble's in the middle. It's a... I just get this pot belly like my daddy had, and I'm determined not to have one. So I'm, like, trying to keep those, you know, empty calories away. And so, you know, empty calories, they have calories, but they don't have nutrition. It's not really good for you. It doesn't really do anything for you. Celebration without thanksgiving is empty celebration. It might feel good, but it ultimately is empty. You know, you're a spiritual being. Your body, soul, and spirit all tied together. And when you do things that have no spiritual component to them, It's not only empty, it's negative. It's denying a part of yourself. Celebration, when you add thanksgiving to God, is whole. And it actually nourishes you. It actually feeds your spirit. And what makes all that a spiritual discipline? It becomes a spiritual discipline when you do it on schedule. When every Saturday or every every Sunday you're celebrating your Sabbath. When you are celebrating holidays and celebrating birthdays on schedule, you know what days you celebrate. Schedule, they're scheduled. On those days, instead of fe- feeling sad and getting off by yourself, call people together and celebrate and make it a spiritual discipline. And it'll all be better because of it. And it'll nourish your soul. On the other hand, if we build a lifestyle of always rejoicing but never giving thanks, well, that can mess us up. That, that turns to gluttony, addiction, hollowness, and that's the exact opposite of spiritual discipline. So Pete's going to talk some more about Sabbath in the weeks ahead. But remember, celebration is good and right when we do it in a heart of thanksgiving to God. So go ahead and celebrate and give it to the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, give us the wisdom to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in every circumstance. Teach us to celebrate the life and blessings you have given us, in season and out, in the spontaneous moment of blessing and in our planned celebrations. Bless the people of this church family and keep them. 
Make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. Turn your face toward them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen.